0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. Now with your spirit.
1: We the gospel according to Luke.
0: Glory to the Lord.
1: At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed the silver tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacharias, come down quickly, for today I must take your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. Then they all saw that, when they had all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He is gone to stay in the house of the sinner. Caiaphas stood there and said to the Lord, "Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have extorted anyone, anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over." And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save." Lost, lost, lost.
0: The gospel of the Lord. One of the more obvious things that if you make a close reading of the story of Zacchaeus that will be noticed is the fact that Zacchaeus goes through these great lengths to see Jesus only to discover that Jesus was already seeking him out himself. This is an extraordinarily important lesson for us to learn as believers. I think far too many people, when they think about the Christian life, they think about it primarily in terms of what they're trying to do to serve God. And they think very little about what what God is doing to love them and what he has done in the past. The Christian life, almost above all things, i could say above all things really, is a story of what God has done for us and is doing for us, even when we're not aware of what He's doing. Our response to that is such a small part (laughs) of the story. It's an important and necessary part, but it is overshadowed completely by what you might call the activity of God. He is so active, not only in salvation history as a whole, but in our individual, personal lives. It's so important that we understand this. It may feel like from time to time that we're putting in all this effort to seek Him out, right? And we may feel like it's sort of a one-sided relationship. If we ever feel that way, it's it's simply because (laughs) Our eyes have not yet been opened to the activity of God. How broad it is, how deep it is, that it covers literally every tiny second of our life. He's, he's active in, in doing things. We need to make sure that we remember this point. I want to read to you a, one of the most famous passages in all of Christian literature in 2,000 years. Some of you will be familiar with this. It's a passage from... The Confessions of St. Augustine. And Augustine, uh, while he was sort of going through his conversion, had this moment where he basically woke up to the fact that he felt like he had been the one doing all this searching and seeking. And at, at a certain moment, he realized oh, the, Lord, the Lord was shouting at me all along. <laughs> he was speaking to me from within my own heart. I was just too deaf and blind to hear it or see it. And he he finally wakes up to the activity, the intense activity of God in pursuing him. And he speaks about it. He says to the Lord, he says, "'Late have I loved you. "'O beauty ever ancient, ever new. "'Late have I loved you. "'You were within me, but I was outside. And it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace." So do we have to do things in the Christian life? Is that a part of what it means to be Catholic? Absolutely. We have to struggle. We have to fight. As Job says, man's life on earth is a warfare. But we need to make sure that we never think that that is the primary element in the Christian life or the primary dynamic that is playing out from day to day. The primary disposition or attitude, if you will, of a believer is not one of struggling and fighting, but it's the disposition of Mary. It's a a disposition of surrender, of fiat, of saying to God, Lord, you've done all of this for me. You you created the universe, created all these beautiful things. You created me. When I was in sin, you sent your son to die for me. You continue day after day to, to call and to flash within my heart. I don't often see you or hear you, but you continue all of this and my response is is faith let it let it be done Lord whatever your will is let it happen to me you are the primary agent not me you're the you're the primary force in my life not me I think many many of us can fall very easily into uh, a false notion of God that is often called deism. So deism is the belief that God basically created the universe and he set it in motion and from that point forward he's pretty hands off. He doesn't really get too involved much anymore with his creation. And many of us live as if that were the case even if we profess to believe in the Christian God who's not like that at all. Many of us live like this on a daily basis. We think that we have to we're responsible for everything. Everything in the Christian, it's our responsibility. I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this thing and that thing. No. God is the primary mover. He's the primary person in this relationship. He initiates and we say yes. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, let it be done to me. Just like Mary did. The angel shows up, says, hey, God wants you to be you know, his mother. He wants you to give birth to his son. She says, yes. Whatever his plan is, great. I'm all in. This is, this is the fundamental disposition of the Christian. We ha- and we have, to, we have to get this right. A couple signs, if you will, that might indicate if we're living from this sort of accurate, Sort a relationship with God, sort of an an accurate perspective on who he is. Um, One of them is, is, you know, if if when things happen to us in our life, big and small, if we consciously trace that particular event or circumstance back to God as the initiator, it's a good sign that we have an accurate awareness of the kind of God that he is that he's, he's the one initiating all these things. So, for example, somebody who doesn't realize how active God is in their life, they may say something like, you know, the other day I realized that yada, yada, yada. Somebody who's more aware that the Lord is the prime mover, they might say something a little different. They might say, hey, the other day, the Lord showed me yada, yada, yada. See the difference there. I realize this of my own power, or did the Lord show it to me? Did He enlighten my intellect? Was He the primary agent in that little moment that I had the other day? Now sometimes it's not always necessary to say this out loud, but at least interiorly, at least interiorly to acknowledge it, right? Sometimes, depends on who we're talking to, it might actually be you know, better if we're trying to lead them to the Lord to not use so much you know, directly you know Christian-y jargon if you will, but at least interiorly we should acknowledge that okay, I had this little realization the other day thank you, Lord, for showing that to me i didn't I didn't manufacture this realization myself that was you you're you're the agent here right or somebody might say, you know, I met so-and so and they became my wife right <laughs> or you could look at it that way or you could look at it and I think this is a little bit easier for some people oh the Lord brought this person into my life it was the Lord who did this his providence guided the course of events so that I could meet my wife right um, again you know the other day I was, I was so happy um, because of you know fill in the blank the Lord gave me joy the other day in this particular circumstance see the difference there Right. The first person is, is operating with a view of God that is just not true. <laughs> they, they have a, a position of, of deism. The second person is, is actually operating from a belief in the Christian God, who is active and present in every tiny little detail of our life, and, and he's, he's guiding all of it. He's guiding all of it. I think another way sometimes that you can tell if you're living from this place, this, this accurate perspective is whether or not you find it kind of natural to speak to God with words of affection, like real affectionate terms. And you may not, may not always be appropriate to do this in conversation with other people, depending on who you're talking to. Sometimes it will be uh, good, Uh, but at least in our personal dialogue with the Lord, speaking to him in affectionate terms is a good indication that we realize how active he is in our life, how personal he is, how present. And again, you see this in the lives of all, all the saints. They'll, at a certain point, you know, they'll, they'll address the Lord in, in sort of more general ways. Oh God, oh Lord, oh Father, right? And father can be obviously a profoundly, profoundly personal and affectionate term spoken in a certain way. But oftentimes they'll begin speaking to Jesus in particular with these very like affectionate, almost childlike ways. My Jesus, my Jesus, my beloved. One of my favorite little aspirations from St. Faustina, uh, she would tell the Lord, she'd say, Jesus, be a Jesus for me. (laughs) Sounds kind of odd. Be a be a Jesus for me. So everything that's wrapped up in who, in His name, Savior, Anointed Messiah, is that, she said, be be that for me. Jesus, be a Jesus for me. Right. Very affectionate. Saint Jose Maria would uh, often refer to God as the Divine Madman, and what he meant by that was that when you look at how desperately God loves us and wants us to know that. He makes himself kind of a madman to get the message across, so much so that he would become food for us to eat, right? He's the divine madman. He would often call the Eucharist like this this mad frenzy of love, right? So so when you see someone who's comfortable speaking in in sort of very affectionate ways to God, while still with reverence, obviously, for the fact that he is (laughs) Lord of all, but in these very affectionate terms, it's a good indication that, that they have an awareness that He's active on a daily basis in all these small things of their life, um, that, he, that He's active in all of these ways. So it's a good question to ask yourself. You know, like, when I talk to the Lord in prayer, how do I speak to Him? Is it as if He's sort of the deist vision of God who's kind of far off and, like, kind of cares about my life? Not really. Um, but but I have an obligation to worship God, so I'm going to talk to Him and I'm going to address Him in sort of more generic ways, or is our conversation with Him like a like a child speaking to their father, just just affection, right? This is a good sign of whether or not we're, we're looking at the Lord accurately. So today, I think we can. And examine ourselves and ask the Lord for the grace to really live this primary disposition or attitude of, of the believer, which is one of trust of, of Mary's fiat, saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I abandon myself to you. Whatever you want, that's what I want. You gave your son for me, so I, so I trust you.